We're back. Uh, Drake and I have been off doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It's summer in Montana and hunting season's coming up quick and there's just not nearly enough time for anything. Seriously, man. Yeah. No uh, time. Yeah. So we figured we would just jump in and start podcasting while we catch up because we haven't seen each other in what, a month now? Yeah. Yeah. A month. Yeah. So. What have you been up to? Uh, I just got back from scouting. Uh, I went for two and a half days. Cool. Just looking for mountain muleys here in Montana, which is always uh, a little bit of a battle. Nice. Yeah. There, What'd you learn? Anything? <laughs> learn where they weren't? Uh, I found, I mean, I saw three bucks, which for this area, I feel like is decent. Oh, three deer, three bucks three total. Three bucks total. Nice. Yep. Big numbers. Cool. I know. Huge numbers. But quality deer? Or? Uh, not really. No. Good oh. width. Their forks are pretty shallow. Like I, I definitely am not like planning on going back to hunt them. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, good way to get in shape. It's just, I don't know. The mountains are really epic in this one mountain range that I've kind of just made it a point to kill a nice buck or a nice bull out of there eventually. Nice. And they don't get a lot of pressure because they're just really savage. Animal densities are pretty low. It's just hard to hunt. Uh, that means you're savage. I like to think I am, and then I get <laughs> out there, and I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? But, yeah, so, I mean, I think yesterday was 12 miles back out to the truck. It took me, like, seven hours. Cool. Which the last eight and a half was pretty quick because I was on trail, but the first, like, three, three and a half um, was pretty slow, just bushwhacking and, like, trying to kind of, like, keep your eyes open and like look around and yep. hung a couple cameras. So that was a little bit slower going. Um, but yeah, yeah. Shoot, I, shoot I learned some film on it or no, I've, I started kind of like doing some little cell phone, like vlog clips. Yep. Cause I think it'd be cool. I've been hunting this area roughly for not a lot, but probably the last five years or so. Gotcha. And it's just, it's just kind of a cool process, I think, to maybe start documenting. I'd probably just use it for my own personal yeah. Yeah. use eventually. But it's just like, as a hunter, it's one of the few things that I just want to do just for me personally. Yeah. It's like not a smart, like, tactic. Gotcha. You know, like, the chances of me, like, I if I kill one deer elk every five years out of there, I would call it, like, success. Gotcha. You know, so this is definitely not motivated by, yeah. like, social media <laughs> or, like, some outside glory or stroking of my ego, but... Well, um, if you were looking for content to post, I bet people would find that interesting. I I, I think just today you posted something on, on Montana Wild page. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but basically you're, you were asking, like, what, what gets you or, you know, the viewers to sit down and watch an, a whole hunting video or a yeah. whole hunting film is it like is it the teaser is it who's in it is it like like what is it and i i responded to it i don't know if you saw that yet but uh for me i said it was a like what's the value proposition like what what am i going to learn or gain from watching this and sure. educational content super huge right now yeah and so i you know i think sharing your story might you know doesn't sound like you really really want to but i think people might find that interesting and yeah following your following your learning curve i guess and trying to gain some wisdom from from whatever it is that yeah that you do do learn from that so yeah i hope that it is educational i just wanted to start show showing i think like how how little 
the progression is in like this place or like that. Gotcha. Like <laughs> major steep learning like, curve. <laughs> like yeah, I mean it's just to me that's cool. I think I like hunting because of the challenge, which a lot of times I probably should come at hunting from a little different angle than I do. But um, as far as if I wanted to punch tags, yeah. like if my only goal was to kill animals, like my whole perspective on oh, it would dude, be totally. so much different. <laughs> but a lot of it is like I just about guarantee you that the places that I hiked out scouting and if I went back and hunted, there would, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe be a handful of people. If even that, I'm sure there's some years that not even a single other hunter goes into that area. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And you would think like in my head, I'm always in this like ideal state, like, oh, there's just giants back there. You just got to get back there and do it. And then you go back there and you like glass forever and you're like, there's no animals here. Yep. But then it's just a matter of time, you know, like I, I glassed the first base in like a night and then a morning and then moved and then got to another great vantage and glassed like a night and a morning. And it's pretty insane how like, you know, the second spot I went to saw just a couple does and some fawns. I saw one pretty nice bull actually for that area. But then the next morning, didn't see that bull again. Didn't see any elk. Yep. No elk. I'd seen maybe eight or 10 elk the night before. Saw some new deer, saw three bucks. And I'm sure if I sat there that night, I wouldn't see any of those same animals. Like, yeah. it's so wild. They, oh, yeah. the, the brush is so thick and like, the timbers so intermixed with like it's green everywhere. It's just, it's like the gnarliest puzzle. Um, <laughs> totally. You're like, I like might've saw 5% of what's in there. It's like a thousand piece puzzle. And like, every time I go out, I get like two more pieces, <laughs> <laughs> you know, nice. and I'm hoping to like hit the jackpot where I get like 50 pieces one of these days. Yeah. Like it'll be sweet when I do kill something out of there and, that might be the last time I hunt it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely a young man's game. Nice. Could you see a uh, comet Neowise when you were scouting? The what? Look at the comet. No, I, oh. as soon as I was done glass and I went to sleep. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> I was so freaking <laughs> beat up and tired, but no, did you? Well, I actually, I was, I was scouting last weekend and I was shooting a, an Instagram story for Onyx. I was one of my, one of my deliverables to them and, um, I'm camped up at almost 10,000 feet Yeah, and it like, I get cell service up there. So I'm on the phone with my girlfriend and then I, I got the phone up to my ear and I'm like looking out on the horizon and I'm just like, there's not a cloud in the sky and there's this like little streak. I'm like, what the heck is that? So I pull my binos up. Sure enough, it's the comet oh, and it had, had a pretty big mileage weekend and I'm like, I'm going to go super light. I'm just really going to focus on capturing this Instagram mm-hmm. story with my iPhone. So I did like iPhone only and you know, footage of wildlife through a spotter with yeah. my phone scope. And so I didn't bring my camera. Oh. I was like, oh, I could get like, I, I think I could get Neowise through my, uh, through my spotter, but it's too dark. You can't. Yeah. So anyway, big, big miss on my part to not, not bring my actual camera. Yeah. But that's okay. But oh well, still got, yeah. You can't capture every moment. No, you really can't. That's like the f- one thing that was hard for me to disconnect from when I was really like always carrying my camera. Yeah was like the second you didn't carry it, you felt like you were missing out. Totally. <laughs> Which is like a good thing, but it's also, I think, a really bad thing. Sometimes it's like you just need to be able to enjoy a lot of this yeah. sometimes just by yourself. Yeah. It's yeah, totally. just because you don't share it or capture it doesn't mean it's still not really cool. Yeah. But, yeah, I get that. 
but yeah so have you been out hanging more trail cameras how many cameras do you have up right now Mm, 20 damn i (laughs) wish i had 20 up it's like christmas every time you go get one i was just listening to some podcasts with ryan carter he's a elk guide in utah yeah and he has how many like 200 out probably (laughs) oh 100 plus and he like really he only runs them in the fall and yeah it's kind of mind-blowing to me i mean some of the ones I have out, you know, I, I get to them once a year. Yeah. And they're, they're really not that far from some of my other cameras, but it, it takes a full day, like committed day to get yeah. to them. And so it's just a bit of a struggle. But, uh, but no, yeah, the scouting, scouting was fun and went out and it was a strange scouting time. I think all the animals were afraid of the comet or something. Was this just for elk? Elk and, and mule deer, kind yeah. of whatever. But, uh, yeah, I actually found a couple pretty nice muleys, but uh, nice. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, Are these areas you've hunted before, and you're just mm-hmm, building yeah, on that? Yeah, you feel like you're like mastering it yet. I've definitely figured stuff out. Yeah, for sure, and especially with help of the trail cameras, because there's a few spots where it's like I've gotten trail camera footage of bulls and even bucks that I then see like three months later in a completely different spot. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, actually I, I killed a bull uh, with my bow in September that I had trail camera footage of him like almost 10 miles away mm-hmm. in August. And so I, I figured out that movement pattern of like where these things are going, Nice, which is, which is pretty interesting. So it's uh yeah, it's fun to get out there and yeah, see it's, what you can learn, it's really tough to like understand their movements. Cause like where I went, there still was a lot of snow Oh. and I don't even think a lot of the elk and the deer have even moved up <laughs> yeah, into yeah. their like summer high I've, country. I've seen yet. that this year too. Yeah. Which is blows my mind. Yeah. They literally will be up there for about two months and that's about it. Really? Two Jeez. or three. Yeah. And just then there's like, by the time the snow, <laughs> short melts, summer rain. there's a super <laughs> short window and then it's like back to winter almost. Yeah. But yeah. Huh. What do you look for when you're hanging trail cameras? Like, what do you, what's your goal when you hang a trail camera? Um, try to find a specific animal or just try to see how often animals are using an area. I guess there's a couple trains of thought. I mean, if you just want to figure out, okay, so in Montana and a lot of states, you can't hunt elk until September. Mm-hmm. And so by September, a lot of the bulls will move out of their summer range and move down to where the cows are at. Yeah. And so if, if you're setting cameras, trying to find bulls, like, you know, you're setting them way up, way up high in their summer range, like it's super cool, but like, you probably won't hunt those elk in that place because they are going to move. Yeah. They're totally going to move to wherever the cows are at. So if you're setting cameras or if you're scouting in hopes to figure out where you want to hunt in September, like, I mean, I would set cameras and I would do as, as much scouting to try to find where the cow elk are at. Sure. Um, obviously if I catch, you know, getting cows on camera, isn't that exciting. But again, if, if, if you only have one week to hunt and maybe, maybe you're coming out of state or you're traveling from out of state to hunt in a place, you know, you got to figure out where those cows are at, yeah. you know, if you're hunting the September rut, but, but in some of the States you can actually hunt in like starting at like August and stuff. And so, so those States, you know, setting cameras up, trying to find where the bulls are at makes sense because mm-hmm. a lot of times those bulls will still be very habitual. They'll still be hitting the same same water sources, same feed sources, whatever. Um, myself, I, I just, I just love to get footage of elk and yeah. deer and bears and you know, all the critters doing weird, wild things. And so, so a lot of, a lot of times I'll set them up just on kind of general summer ranges, or if I find like a, a random puddle or pond that I think they'll be drinking out of, um, you know, I'll nice. set them up on spots like that. But, um, and then come winter, 
I'll I'll try to I'll move a lot of the cameras down to their winter range. I just yeah. try to get footage of deer and bulls nice. and stuff in the in their winter range and yeah, get them with one shed attached and or one yeah. antler attached. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's tough because <clears throat> I was hanging cameras initially for deer, which is like man, I don't even know where they're at <laughs> yeah. in the first place. So I kind of was trying to highlight like saddles or pinch points where yeah. I think they move from basin to basin, which is like 20 different spots. Right. Yeah. I'm like, man, I need so many, like yeah. to, to really like think that you knew anything, you'd need so many cameras. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit of a shot in the dark. Um, I'll get photos. It's the shotgun uh, approach. You just throw them all out there. And then after like next year, you'd be like, oh, I got them all in this spot. And then like the next year, you'll maybe kind of hold yeah. them into that. that it's area. such a time investment because literally the one trail camera is 12 miles from my truck. <laughs> so it's not like you just go in to get it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but then you're looking, then I'm like, all right, I don't know. I'm not really in the right spots for deer. And I want to look for bulls and the cows are here and I'm seeing like the bulls are not higher than the cows, which is a little weird. Hmm. They're still like bulls, obviously, just because I can see tracks yeah. down in the timber. Yeah. So I kind of set them in some spots that I felt would be like a general, like just a water slash wallow yeah. that I think they'd hit now, but also yeah. in September. And yeah. yeah, they'll really hit wallow. Or bulls will really, really hit wallows come September as long yeah. as there's cows around the area. So. Because it's pretty tough as far as bulls. It's like I want to try to get as many bulls in the area on camera as I can. So wallows, I think, are pretty good or like pinch points. You definitely, I've found spots where I'll find one bull's track in amongst some beds, and I'm pretty sure I could get him mm -hmm. on camera, but it might just be him, yeah. Only be like one or maybe <laughs> two bulls you get on camera, yeah. which is like. Ugh. And then he's like a five point. You're like, great. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Like, awesome. Never going to come in here for you, buddy. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. What else has been going on? Oh, uh, obviously kind of a crazy year with COVID. So yeah. very little traveling for me so far. That'll probably ramp up here in another month. But, um, but yeah, right now it's been hanging out at home, which has been super awesome and working on um, I've been doing these anyone's hunt video projects. There's, there's actually a lot more than just video deliverables associated with it, but, uh, um, wrapping up a North Dakota waterfowl hunt, um, project. And so that's been like copious amounts of time sitting in front of the computer editing. You're so, having audio issues. Yeah. Oh yes. The audio issue. Yeah. So people are, there's been a few people that say our audio on our podcast is not loud enough well if you want to edit it and make it louder <laughs> hit me up but. sorry I'll, I'll talk up too that was, that was some other feedback is drake drake's too quiet i'm like well Zach is like i 60 edit more all the audio it. out and like adjust both of our levels and like bring them all up to what looks good on my audio meter so yeah so it's it's, a, it's you not me treatment that's a I think <laughs> you just got to get your speakers louder. Yeah, just turn us up. <laughs> uh, but you're having audio issues on your video. Yeah, so I shot Did this entire video project. And um, long story short, I was I was using two Sony A7R Mark III cameras to record um, this whole project. It was, It's kind of a run-and-gun project with some, like, interview stuff kind of intermixed in. And 
um, you know, I shot the whole thing. I, I, I wasn't, I didn't, um, I didn't put in headphones in while I was recording, so I couldn't like mm. hear the audio, but I could see my audio levels are like bumping. So I know I'm recording yeah. audio. Um, but long story short, I had my shotgun mic attached and I was using one camera as my primary to capture all the good audio. My other one was like, it's like super zoom kind of yeah. niche type shots. And so anyway, so I'm recording everything, you know, record the whole project. And then when I get home, I start going through footage. And, um, I mean, I shot this project in December, so yeah. it's, it's been over six months now. Um, anyway, my mic input jack quit working and it actually quit working on a previous project, but I, but because fortunately my camera was still recording audio. Cause a lot of times when you plug in a, a, a microphone into the mic jack, it'll yeah. just quit recording to that external mic on your camera. So, so long story short, I had all the audio recorded just directly to the camera's microphone, which pretty much all cameras microphones are terrible. That's why yeah. you put a, you mount a shotgun mic or use a lav mic. And so, yeah, so I got this whole project and the project came out really good. Problem is every audio clip is terrible and it, it sounds like I think tinny is probably the, the right word. It sounds like you're speaking from inside of a tin can. It's not this like deep, rich audio. It's this like, I don't know. It so, sounds like someone's talking to you through a satellite phone, the whole yeah. freaking thing. And so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm sweating bullets, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And I, I basically edited the, all the episodes together. And then last thing I did was the audio. And fortunately after like, 20 plus hours on, on YouTube, primarily different, um, yeah. tutorials. I, I figured out kind of how to fix it and it's called the, the parametric equalizer. I'm sure it's something you've dealt with quite a bit. Yeah. I try to not get into any of the, no, ideally you don't have any to of the compression that. or equalizers <laughs> or any of that stuff. Cause it's just, it takes so much time to, even if you've done it in the past, refresh your memory on how to do it. Oh, again. totally. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I went through every single clip and had to, had to re, rejig the whole thing but it sounds it doesn't sound great but it sounds like 10 times better like i'll, yeah. I'll have to send you a couple clips it's it's pretty For comical sure. actually so so if anybody complains about the audio in this next project i'm just gonna probably flip them off <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so yeah make sure your uh, your audio jack is actually working so. are, are you photographing any sheep hunts at all then no no currently currently not um that's gonna be a first huh yeah it's be like first year and, you know again who, who knows i mean the the current ban on canada i think goes through july 27th yeah so just another Canadians. few days so i'm not totally sure what's gonna happen there but but yeah i mean most of the, the clients that i shoot stuff with we're just kind of on standby at the moment so Ooh. <laughs> had a whole series of burps there that i was trying to not throw into the mic <laughs> So what's your first shoot for hunting? Um, work. First actual confirmed one is uh, going to Colorado. We're going to do another anyone's hunt project okay, in cool. October for elk. Nice. So, um, other stuff though, I mean, you know, it's, it's personal hunts. Yeah. And then I've got some, some other, some buddies that are photographers going to follow me around in the woods and do some stuff. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm, I'm pitching a archery elk project um, here at home. I'm still figuring that one out, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, usually by now it's like, I mean, this time last year I was in Canada for like six straight weeks. Yeah. And so, yeah, this year it's just kind of 
twiddling our thumbs a little bit. Girlfriend's but, uh, probably happy. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we've gotten to spend a bunch of time together. Nice. So, yeah, I'm going to go see her tomorrow. We're going to go camp on top of the mountain and try to try to get some photos of the comet. So, is it still what's the deal? It's, I think it's. So just orbiting it's still Earth. well, yeah. I don't know. It's or it's in our solar system for another few days anyway, huh. and I think until July twenty fourth, which I'm not sure when this podcast will go, but I think yeah. July twenty fourth is the last day that we can see it. So, hmm. so another three days. So anyway, yeah, we're gonna try to get some photos with it. I I posted a um a long exposure photo that I shot of my buddy Connor last year. Um, yeah, he was just he just shot a lighted knock in the dark over my camper. Yeah, and it like blew up. Like it got way more engagement and interaction than I was ever thinking. It, like to me, it wasn't like a technical shot by any means, but it's just a little different. Yeah. And so, I, so after that, I was kind of like, Oh, we should do a long exposure. We should get a shot of the comet with like Karen, my girlfriend, like flinging a light and knock like up towards the comet. So it'd be like mm. this big, massive arc of this arrow. So that'd be crazy. Um, so that's what we're going to go for. But Dude, I haven't seen the photo that you said you were going to shoot last time we podcast. Do you remember what it was? No. The the elk shed on fire. Oh. Have you? Um you know, it's it's just <laughs> Is it too does it hurt too much to burn one? <laughs> that that's kinda what I ran into. Yeah, it kinda hurt too much to, to even burn it, one. Yeah, I know, I know. I I just sold you all my sheds too, so that's okay. I'm sure you'll find you can find another <laughs> one. <laughs> yes, for the life of me, I'm sure I'll find many, many more, but well, one of these days you'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> nice, dude. What, uh, you been shooting your bow then? Yeah, lots. Yeah. Nice. So that, that's the other kind of benefit to this. And I think at least out West, at least in Montana, I, you know, they're, they're, because of COVID and, you know, whether people are on, on unemployment, whether they're, you know, if you're a student, you can't go to school, like for whatever reason, people are able to spend a heck of a lot more time outside and probably working on things that they really haven't been able to to really work on before. And so, um, so right now for me, it's, um, yeah, shooting my bow a ton. And, uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going through, uh, John Dudley's, uh, school of knock on YouTube. Oh, yeah. It's pretty, pretty good, good, man. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. I've, I've, it's amazing what things that I've been doing for the last yeah. 10 years. I never even thought about. I so. want to go through it after the season's over. It's too close now for me. Yeah. It's kind of late now to, to start, start thinking <laughs> too much, you know, but yeah. I do want to, go through some of his stuff a little bit more yeah i got a bow press and a bunch of that stuff to start doing my own nice work on my bow so i need to kind of do a deep dive on all that stuff but yeah i'm a hunter first and foremost and know that like i probably need to just focus in on like hunting yeah the hunting aspect of shooting my bow and yeah. and once hunting season's over i can kind of go back to some foundational stuff and make sure I'm checking all the boxes and like all that. So, yeah. Nice. But yeah, he has some good stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a, a fun, fun little endeavor for me. You so you shooting a VXR or what are you shooting yep. right now? Nice. Yeah. VXR. So yeah, they're sweet. They're quiet. Did you go to, you didn't go to TAC? I did actually. I went up to oh, big sky. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was fun. So that was interesting vibe up there. I mean, it's just, again, because of COVID there was very few people up there. Hmm. And so, yeah, it was, which was ended up being great to shoot because there was there was no lines. We never had to wait. Oh, nice. Never had to wait. And uh, tack yeah, is total super archery chill. challenge. Just oh, yeah. great, great networking opportunity. So if anybody's listening, they're trying to figure out how do I network more. Total, and how do I the connect. total archery challenges: you get to shoot your bow, be in the mountains, yeah. 
literally, I mean, almost every person from the brands that I work with, they're like kind of my, my point of contacts or point people was mm-hmm. at TAC. Nice. And a lot more too. So, I mean, John Dudley was there. Like, I mean, all sorts of people. Mm-hmm. Jocko was there. Jocko. I mean, yeah. So. <laughs> Who'd you shoot with? Uh, Matt McCormick, uh, buddy Jordan Gill, nice. and uh, Josh Seeley. He's a he's a friend and just super awesome archer out of Billings. So. Nice. So, yeah, just Heck a yeah. super chill group. So, yeah, we had a good time. How'd you shoot? A Are heck you? of a lot better than I ever have in my life. <laughs> nice. That's, yeah, it's, it's – I mean – one should could progressively improve over the life of probably shooting your bow, but like, yeah. you know, going through this school and knocking, it's been super oh, helpful. Man. I had one day out there where I was shooting so good and my sight somehow got loose. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started missing and I got in my head before I realized it was my actual bow was off. Ooh. Oh, dude, that was a horrible day. I did that with a rifle a couple of years ago. I shot 40 times before I finally decided to check my, uh, my scope. They're like the screws. Yeah, yeah. And they were so loose. Every shot, it was getting looser and looser, just spraying bullets. <laughs> Yuck. I hate that. I haven't ever had that on a rifle, but I've thought about it, and I've checked it. <laughs> yeah. Since then, I've upgraded my components, and I yeah. don't really have that. Definitely quality over quantity, or the general mantra of by quality. Yeah, quality Buy year. once, cry once on any hunting stuff, if you can, is yeah. always my opinion on that stuff is that true with camera gear you think uh if you're serious about it i think you can still get quality without having to spend a lot on camera gear yeah like you can buy a lot of older or used or especially manual lenses for for video stuff i wouldn't probably buy them for much photo work unless it was like i wanted a specific lens for macros or yeah nice it's like one very very specific or, shot, you know right? like there's something you want to yeah. do and it's super cheap but yeah yeah but i think as far as like rifle componentry i'm always just like buy buy the best yeah totally. or like the best within reason something that's going to work and you're going to be able to trust yeah rather than oh i saved a few bucks just because the time, dude, the time is insane. If you buy something that doesn't work and then to have to start over, it's just, nah. yeah, <laughs> I have so much to do before hunting season. because. <laughs> I, <clears throat> but all you want to do is work on your gun and your bow. So, well, yeah, I need to shoot my bow. I've been shooting my bow quite a bit, but I want to shoot more, need to shoot more. I need to go start shooting my Glendale buck. And I got a little Reinhardt, one of the little mini elks. Nice. Which is awesome, but I need to start just going in the mountains and like taking and just, I have like 10 shots yeah. and I'll just set up 10 shots and just try to like see what my percentage is and like Mm. get better in that regard, you know, where it's more like the mindset of like this one arrow is all that Matt, like I need to get this one shot right rather than just this repetitive, like put it on the dot, shoot, put it on the dot. Like yeah. that's so far removed from like the actual totally. Yeah. Right. Moment of truth it. when you like, are you going to kill an animal? So yeah. that's something I've gotten away from. I used to do it a lot more in the past and I just need to do it more. So that's what I'll do. And then I'm going to go on this muzzleloader hunt in Colorado with Brady Miller. So I'm going to be getting a muzzleloader hopefully in a couple weeks. Sick. And I've never, I've shot a muzzleloader like twice in my life, like probably two shots. <laughs> nice. <laughs> my dad had one. 
Uh, so I got to figure that all out in August. And then I need to continue to like, my rifle's pretty dialed, but I, I need to get, build all the data out for like with and without the suppressor. Cause I have two guns I really like, but you can only have, I only have one suppressor. I see. So I want to have the suppressor on my Weatherby for now. And then my short mag, I'll have just the muzzle brake. So I need to dial in my data on both guns so that if something happens, cause this spring, my Weatherby, my vortex scope, which is awesome, but it got somehow got condensation in the back mm. element. And I sent it in and it's just been kind of a bit of a nightmare to like re sight in that gun. Cause it's a, big calibers and 300 Weatherby mags, the barrel heats up so fast Gotcha. that the, the, the confidently knowing that that gun is perfectly sighted in, yeah. you know, which is the foundation for all my long range data yeah. is a total nightmare. Like when it's sighted in, like when I, where I had it before the rifle scope issue, like it was amazing. Like anything I pointed it at was just freaking dead nuts, like deep, like out to 1400 yards. And I wouldn't shoot that far on an animal, but like my confidence is through the roof, but then like to start over, it's just, it's such a nightmare, you yeah. know, cause it's really that having that zero. And then every time I reload, which I need to reload, like I've got like 200 plus pieces of brass and I need to reload it all in one batch. So everything's like cohesive amongst it, you know? Yep. So it's not like here's 50 and then I switch to 50 and even though everything's measured out, like I want to be able to trust with the utmost detail that if all of a sudden there's a bull elk at 750, like this bullet is going to hit right where I intended to and not, yeah. there's, n I'm trying to eliminate all these variables. So it's just such a process of like, I have to reload and then I have to go out and verify my zero. <laughs> and then I should technically, even though I have this trajectory built, I need to verify it with this batch of custom reloads to make sure that my, everything's still the same, which it should be, but it's just a more a part of like building that confidence. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to take that shot unless like I have that confidence and I know that like when I get behind the gun, like that animal's dead. Yeah. 98% of the time. Right. You know? So yeah, I've got a lot to do. <laughs> I got to edit podcasts and freaking edit videos and do my normal job. <laughs> <laughs> How's your normal job going? good it's busy just what are you guys uh, up to just trying to get content done for um before hunting season starts yeah we have a new bino harness coming out uh either late september or in october at some point uh and that's it's really cool i like it a lot i've been using it this spring and summer and um so yeah i'm gonna have to build a bunch of content around that just nice. as like how to fit it and like we have a system basically in the bino harness that is customizable to the size of your binoculars and oh, cool. just a lot of product education so when people get the product they know how to use it properly right you know because if you don't know how to use it you're not going to like it even if it has great design and it's built great yeah well when are you plan to release it and like well jeff says september 15th but colby does all the ordering and managing of you know, our inventory says October, mid-October. So gotcha, we'll gotcha. see. Somewhere. So that's coming up. You're like, yeah. you're doing that now. So basically. we have, we have the last round of prototype samples, which will make a few tweaks off of, but, um, I basically have to make all of the product content 
especially the educational stuff yeah. for that now. Cool. And then uh, like our skyscraper two P tent's been updated. So I'm having, you know, to go back through and like I built a initial setup video with Pete nice. and I need to like go out, I'm going out with Colby on Thursday and like there's basically four variations of how you can set up the tent. So it's like key to go and show all of that. Yeah, totally. So that the consumer, if they want to set it up a different way, like we show them, you know, it's a lot easier to figure out because, I mean, sometimes gear definitely can be technical in certain regards and it's maybe not always intuitive, at least that first time. Yeah. So I'm just trying to make it easy for the customer to be like, oh, I get it. That's totally. awesome. No, educational content's huge. And I mean, I think, you know, I, I used to work for Mystery Ranch Backpacks and it's so many times, you know, whatever, whether we were designing stuff or, or just, or marketing it or, you know, advertising it. It's like every single thing you have to, you have to kind of dumb it down because, you know, we're so ingrained and engrossed with dealing with these things daily yeah. that it's like, it's, it's, it makes so much sense. And, but then like when you just push something out to the consumer, yeah, you know, a lot of times they'll get it, even if they're a fairly technically educated person, like, or, or technical person, like they still have to go through that, that, kind of learning curve of trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of, I guess, solve that with educational video videos on the front end, I think it's yeah. huge. And like yeah, educational content in yeah. all realms is like blowing up right now. And yeah, definitely the kind of the hot thing right now. For sure. Yeah. And just products and gear in general are so, it's pretty wild the amount of thought that goes into them, you know, just, the amount of discussions we've had at Stone Glacier in the last month about new products yeah, and just looking at it and testing it and like the smallest things that you never think about when you use a product, you know, just like what's the buckle configuration? Where does it mount to like leash your binos yeah. to the bino harness Yeah, in a way that makes sense with all of Kurt's design ethos. And like sometimes when Kurt, you know, makes a design, he has a reason for it, but then we test it and, maybe find a little bit better yep. way to do it you know kurt himself could do things a lot of ways but then there's also that fine line of like what is a consumer going to want from right. a product and how do we like maintain kurt's vision and design but like tailor it so that the customer's happy with it yeah and just little stuff like you know a rangefinder pouch and there's different size binos and rangefinders and how do we get this to work for the most number of people and what are the little things that make the most sense when you actually use it and like <laughs> cool. you know it's kind of like when we taught the hunting photographer and started like filming it like in photography you don't always think about all the steps and the little things right just like when you go out and you use your backpack which you've had for however long or your bino harness that you've used for years you don't think about yeah why it's built the way it is or how it functions you just <laughs> use it yeah you know so that's been cool, but yeah, um, yeah, and then, yeah, just getting ready to go hunt elk, man, I'm stoked, uh, I'm gonna hunt Idaho and Montana with, with Andrew Whitney, who I work with, and who I'm buddies with, and it's kind of our goal to try to get some bulls killed, a couple in Idaho and a couple in Montana, so, sweet, it's been a couple of years since I got an arrow a bull, you guys gonna try to so try to film it or just hunt hunt for yeah. a month straight or yeah what? we're gonna film it yeah it'll be about a month or no not a month I'm gonna be hunting about a month in September um, but it'll be seven well we have like a seven day window in Idaho and Montana right now which is pretty like tight yeah that is tight 
for two dudes to kill four bulls in basically two weeks. <laughs> Jeez. Which, it's totally within the realm of reason. <laughs> because, I mean, there's times where you could just start lacing bull after bull, but then yeah. it could be like five days of like right. ice <laughs> So, who knows? I, I know we'll for sure at least kill two or three. I'm optimistic we'll kill four. <laughs> with that, I like that it. Stupid little camera. That's a good mindset. Always throws. It always. I don't know. It seems like more often than not, the camera just like they know it's coming, whether it's hunting or fishing. Yeah. And the next day, you like won't bring the camera. I'm not gonna bring the camera today, and it's just like, oh, wish I had the camera today. It was lights out. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Either way, it'll be good. It'll be entertaining, I'm sure. Cool. But, yeah. Good times ahead. What about photography stuff? What do we need to talk about? Um, I think people need to shoot more than they think. Oh. I know that. Dude, just, absolutely. Just working for, you know, managing content photographers. I just see guys that, uh, I don't care who you are. You just need to shoot more if that's your one occupation is photography or film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, well, my, my learning process with photography, and it's still to this day, is like I shoot and shoot and shoot until I figure out kind of the, the perfect angle. I don't, you know, I, rarely do I like have this vision in my mind of the perfect shot. It's like I'll, I'll, often I'll, I'll have an idea of what I'm trying to get, but it's it's not until I start shooting and getting all these different shots that I then kind of hone in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like with delivery of images to clients, like you know, if I'm only, I mean, I'll never just deliver like five photos. I'll deliver like fifty or two hundred. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I deliver a ton because so often, unless you're doing a very very specific product shoot, if you're just kind of doing general general hunting content. Um, you know, a lot of times what, what you send or what, you know, what, what you provide, like you have no idea what the brand might be looking for. It's like, they might be working on one very specific ad campaign that they haven't told you about, or it might be like, oh shoot, we we need to do a, um, a, a vertical image with a bunch of dead space at the top for text. And like, if you only took a horizontal shot of this one Epic scene that you very quickly, easily flipped your camera and shot like six different ways, like. Yep. You know, you're going to miss out. So it's like, yeah, I, I shoot the heck out of stuff. So just on just general day hunts where I'm out shooting with people, like yeah. if we don't kill anything, I'll probably, I'll probably shoot a thousand photos a day. Easy. Yeah. If we kill something, like probably a heck of a lot more. So a big thing I see that people are just missing the boat and I don't know what their heck they're doing. And I've even given people shot lists is the diversity of what you shoot is it's like, were you just wrapped up in bullshitting with your hunters or what? Cause like, I know what you guys were doing and why didn't you shoot? Like there's a ton of just general product or like imagery. That's not like the epic sickest stuff, but it's like, it's the stuff that like the brand needs. Yeah. It just blows me away. Like overshoot stuff. You yeah. Know? I'd way rather overshoot than undershoot. Totally. And, and as far as the threat of shooting a lot, I feel like I just constantly build and like progress as I shoot more and more and get way more like focused and honed in on what I should be shooting. Where if I like 
take a bunch of time off. It's pretty like the mindset of using the cameras a little bit rough around the edges. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No doubt for sure. Yeah. That's kind of the way I feel right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm shooting kind of the handful of just more personal stuff lately, but you know, not being out on photo assignments where you're shooting yeah. a bunch all day long, just yeah. really getting ingrained with it. It's it. Yeah. It's different for sure. Yeah. So like I just made a little product video for this Serac backpack and like it turned out really well, but like, I felt so unprepared. I didn't have a script ready or like, I didn't know what the final edit was going to look like. I just filmed all these shots and hoped it was going to piece together, which I hate to do, but it worked. <laughs> but yeah, it's nice to have that vision in your head or like a shot list and be able to like have the comfort of like, I checked it off. I got the stuff I needed. Yep. It's going to work out yep. rather than like, Oh gosh, like, I really hope this doesn't turn into like a B minus. You yeah, know? totally. <laughs> yeah. And if you kind of have a shot list or at least themes to kind of guide you, you know, if, if you're on a 10 day shoot or, or whatever you're doing, like if, if you bank most of these shots in the front end, then you're like, you're kind of relieved. And then you get to focus on getting really, really creative and yeah. kind of trying these kind of weird, you know, outlandish type yeah. angles and shots. So I feel like if you're shooting the boring stuff, well, you're going to see the, easy epic stuff and shoot it great yeah you know it's like it's hard to shoot the less exciting things and do it well yeah it's my, my mindset when i go on longer trips anyway it's like a lot of times you'll get kind of a a shot list from the client or, or just kind of some like hey we, we kind of want these types of general photos and like i will shoot the living daylights out of the first mm -hmm. two days also because it's like well geez if you're on a 10-day hunt you know you could kill on day two and then you'd yeah. be done. And if you weren't out shooting all those shots, even if they weren't the most epic light, you totally, you're going to miss everything. So yeah. it's like, I, I always try to bank as much stuff as I can on the front end. Sure. Just to make sure I got it. And then when you get those really epic moments, then I can really hone in and kind of, kind of recapture some of that stuff. And then, and then at the end of the day, you can provide like multiple options and different lighting, different days, different people, Yeah. you know, over, you know, I, the other mindset is like, over deliver and under promise, you know, yep. the clients. So for sure. Um, and that's helped me out a ton for sure. And you know, here I hear that praise a lot, which is, which is super cool, but it's like, yeah, just over deliver and under promise. So. Did you self photograph the duffel photos for Sitka? No, fortunately I, <laughs> fortunately, I couldn't remember if Connor shot them or what happened there, but I, Oh, those ones. Yeah. yeah. No, like my, you and your camper, me and my camper. Yeah. So, well, I, I reshot some as well. Um, but no, I, I was down in Arizona and, uh, uh my friend Connor Gavin oh, okay. came down there and gotcha. shot some of those with me, but we just, just shot some more actually, um, this spring and then this summer, basically. So, so Sika sent me a, they, they literally, they drew a picture and it was like persons like, so you got, you got the camper and then you got like a duffel laying in some water. And then you've got, um, like a person like chucking a duffel out of the, out of the back door of the camper. But all you can yeah. see is their arms. Like I'll have to, I'm going to do a blog on, on my takeaways from, from this oh, shoot. Nice. But, uh, anyway, um, it, it was the most like specific product type shot thing that I've ever gotten ever. They're like, this is exactly what we want. And I was like, well, I'm the only guy with the camper. And so I, originally I was going to set the camera up on a tripod and do this. That was it was going to be a nightmare because yeah. you're trying to get the perfect toss, perfect angle. Yeah. You're trying to get a splash of the water, and it was kind of a disaster. But fortunately, um, my dad and then my my girlfriend both helped me out, and so I got nice. Um, had this epic snowstorm while I was chucking the bags out and during one, and then 
um, did a bunch more at, at sunset, but, but yeah, I probably, we probably chuck that bag out of the camper like 60 times in, <laughs> in an hour or so. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm going to do a blog on that. Just kind of some, some takeaways from that. Um, basically the, the first time that I did it, I, I didn't quite get enough direction from Sitka. And so out of nowhere, this like May snowstorm comes blowing in. I'm like, Oh, this would be epic to get these like shots of these, this bag coming out during a snowstorm, you know, yeah. it's just like bad weather adds everything to images. Sure. So I shoot all these and then I deliver them to them and they're like, and they're, like they're like, Oh, <laughs> this is awesome. But we were actually planning to use these in like a, in a early season, you know, catalog or whatever yeah so i was like oh steven you idiot like should have asked that on the front end you know because it's like oh it's may you like, know? It's like, hey it, it can snow early season yeah it could snow in <laughs> august come on <laughs> so then i had to go out and, and reshoot it um which was totally fine i was that it was, was probably that was a lot easier bad, after that though it was a lot easier yeah yeah and then, and then you know even after that first time i'd you know i'd sent multiple multiple angles and shots and even on those they they had some critiques um so, so again, that you know, they they provided me a a a, a drawing of exactly what they wanted, yeah. but in the end, what they actually wanted was like a little bit different from that. So it's like I sh in the end, I, I shot that exact photo, but then I shot a bunch of different angles yeah. with some different lenses, and I think what they're in, actually going to go with is um, something that's a, a little bit different. But nice. So anyway, so even if someone provides you like a, a very specific thing, like shoot it, but then yeah. over deliver and provide yeah, some other I, stuff. I haven't seen him use any of that footage that we slaved over up in the mountains from last I year. I know. <laughs> the one time Drake snapped at me and I haven't seen the footage used. I'm a little bummed out. Oh gosh. <laughs> Everything else is fine. I got paid. So it's not a big deal. Do what you want, but <laughs> maybe I'll post that on my homepage. That was yeah. pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Yeah. It was like one take, like I run through your whole system. I thought job on that stuff. I thought they were trying to do more relatable content, which is, that's exactly what that stuff was, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny. I've never known those guys. Not really sure. They're wild cards. I'll have to remind them. I was like, you guys know you have access to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, they're, they've been awesome. But um, yeah, so. Nice, dude. Ah, oh, there's something else I was going to talk about. And now I forgot, but. What? Yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe we just call it a wrap on this one, huh? That's a wrap. That's a good, good. Oh, 46 minutes. Yakking. Man, we got to get, get on Joe Rogan's level. We're gonna do another one here, but um, that dude can talk for a long time. Three hours. We don't. We need to like take psychedelics and like. Yeah, I'd have to be in a little different mindset. <laughs> We'd have to start talking about politics, and then we could probably go for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but well, sweet. Well, thanks for tuning in, you guys. Um, there'll be more podcasts. It's gonna be a little hit or miss. We're busy dudes, and we're trying to stay on top of it, but. Uh, yeah, just hang in there with us. Send us any questions or anything through the gram, through the website. And, um, yeah, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be end of the month, end of July, early August. And, um, I guess just a reminder that if you're thinking about taking the plunge now, it's probably like pretty darn good time to do it. You might not be like getting a ton of clients or anything, but like this is like, the whole fall season is such a great time to just like work on your craft and network and like get all the leads and like the foot in the door yep. so that next year when like budgets renew, you have a portfolio, you have all the education, you have that experience, you have that ability to go and have those conversations with people and feel comfortable in that setting. 
and hopefully crush it, you know, because if you just jump in tomorrow and are trying to get jobs, you're definitely going to screw that one up. Totally, know. totally. Yeah, I mean, at, at a minimum, you know, this fall, you should really be focusing on, again, at a very minimum, like just building your portfolio. Build your portfolio, just invest in yourself and like build that skill set and that mindset. And a lot of it's just understanding the business and the networking side of it. And so, yeah, I'd encourage anyone that's on the fence to take the plunge and, uh, and go for it. Yeah. And if you've got any questions, just hit us up either on Instagram, actually probably Instagram is the best place. So yeah, well, sweet signing off. <laughs>